2: In Ocala, Florida, I think.
1: (laughs) And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for June 8th. This is episode 2,699. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on
2: Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned... And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Welcome back, Karen Chatton. Karen stops by here the second Tuesday of every month and we gab about all things endurance. But You don't have to be an endurance rider to enjoy the episode because we talk about all kinds of cool stuff that applies to every horse person. And uh, this is the part of the show where we always catch up on Karen's latest adventures and it being June and all. Those adventures are probably <laughs> not going to include any competitions, but you have two. Count them two, new horses in your life, that Apollo and on. and
1: uh, what's what's yes. Red's new name? Apollo and the new horse,
2: <laughs> the new horse. Yes,
1: Which, we're not quite sure. I'm working. I'm still working out the name thing, and my husband's like. Why Why are you taking so long? Just make up your <laughs> mind like, already. Well, because whatever name I come up with, it's going to stick with them probably for a really long time. <laughs> so I'm not really sure. We're, we have two or three different names that we're kind of working on. And in the meantime, you know, he responds to my voice and... You know, he doesn't, you know, he was being called red, which pretty much every sorrel or chestnut colored horse in the world gets called red at the some other point. One yeah. was called red, yeah. or something. So, I want something a little more unique to his personality. I'm getting to know him. You know, he, he is quite a character. He's the only horse I've had my, my trailer since 2003. He is the only horse. And and this is something I can talk about for a tip for training our horses is preparations ahead of time for camping and traveling I'm letting him eat off of my trailer on a regular, like every day. So he's getting used to being on my high tie and having the buckets of water on the trailer and the food and the uh, feed pan with the mash. So he's getting used to, to all of that kind of stuff. And it's kind of becoming a, a normal occurrence. The other horse, I take him out and he uh, gets left behind but this horse is the only horse since 2003 and believe me I have traveled and lived out of my trailer for months at a time that has opened the rear door of the trailer <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you and, have the you have those typical handily kind of things on your trailer doors and yes. does it does it
1: have the little the little spinny okay. thing that you can put a snap through to keep him from doing that it well it does on the ramp cuz i have a ramp because because i've done these cross country rides i had my trailer raised up off of the axles a little bit higher so it's my trailer is raised up pretty a pretty good amount so we have really good clearance which means that i literally still have the plumbing attached <laughs> after all these years because a lot of the normal living quarter trailers they're so low to the ground when you start doing cross-country or off-road camping kind of stuff takes that plumbing right out it's gonna rip the plumbing right off of there i remember i remember you talking about that early on yeah yeah so so the trailer's raised up so uh, the ramp is i love the ramp i call it my handicap ramp (laughs) because otherwise I couldn't reach any of the tack without a ladder, in the tack oh, I never thought about that, but on you're the right. other <laughs> side because I'm vertically challenged right so um yeah, so if I put the ramp up, it does have the things I can close and then put a clip or a lock on, but the regular doors don't have that, and so uh, twice now this horse has reached around and managed to get the back the one back door open that goes to the you know the horse part of the trailer and, it, and it's kind of funny because it's like even Bo never did that
2: yeah and he was very <laughs> and, he was very and curious and he, into stuff he
1: yeah. could get a, a carabiner open that horse could do I mean his it was crazy. It was like his lips. They're like fingers. These horses are crazy um y- you know, just talented with the ability that they have with their lips. It's like they Bo could do stuff with his lips that I couldn't do with both hands. <laughs> and so so it's sort he of take the barn apart a lot, Bo did. So, yeah. Yes, he definitely he was a really good at um deconstruction. If yes. I could have hired him out, he would have been great. He could move stall mats. He could um, take trim down. He could remove um, rain gutters, <laughs> all those things. And so now the new horse, he's kind of proving he's got a little bit of that, um, y- you know, personality. It's it's, um, you know, it's it's humorous in a way. But also we want to make sure he's safe. And so that's part of why it's really important to plan and do the training ahead of time with letting your horse spend time, you know, tied or in their little portable corral or whatever you're going to use when you go camping or to an endurance ride on your trailer so that you know what your horse is going to do. And that it also helps them to become comfortable and you know realize that that's their now that's their home away from home right so so the new guy he's he's learning that um uh, i i realized because he's a smaller horse he's like probably the smallest horse i've ever had he's like 14 two or three ish you won't have to use a but, mounting block to get on Oh, my gosh! I know it's so cute. he's it's like I can see the top of his back <laughs> Well, that's just the reverse go. of Apollo because Apollo's pretty tall, isn't he? Yes, he is. yeah, yes, it's like a mini me, except of course, they're different colors. and um but yeah, it's it's really kind of um, it, it's going to be fun having a, sh- a shorter smaller horse cuz i mean he, and he's very substantial i mean he's put together nice and solid which is kind of you know kind of nice i think he's going to be a real athletic little guy but um whatever his name is <laughs> whatever his name's going to be <laughs> <laughs> whatever his name's going to be hopefully we'll have that figured out <laughs> before so too much longer whenever you're
2: you you tie them at the trailer and you use a high tie. One of the things that Nigel is prone to when he's tied to the trailer is he's a bit of a par. Now, I don't leave him tied to the trailer for extended periods of time. That's not how I camp with him. Um, but when he is tied to the trailer, like if I when I go out to trailheads and stuff and he's tied to the trailer, um, he's very prone to pawing. So uh-huh. any recommendations on dealing with that?
1: You know, my first endurance horse was a par and literally he could dig a hole that you could put a car in (laughs) yeah in no time um i trained i did a lot of rope work and i trained him to hobble and i would just simply come out and hold the hobbles up (laughs) (laughs) you you do that this is what i'm gonna do wag my finger you that cured it he he never pawed after that again ever for years years and years never did it again so I yeah the hobble training was it worked wonders in so many ways because you know it teaches them not to panic if they get caught in something mm-hmm. and you know honestly when you're doing a lot of these endurance rides it's crazy some of the stuff you might encounter Mm -hmm. i mean there's been more than one time i've had different horses you know where we go through a gate like a cowboy gate or something along the trail and You know, you're in heavy grass or brush, and next thing you know, they've got barbed wire wrapped around. Mm, That's terrifying, isn't it? I've had that happen a couple times. And luckily, because of the, you know, the pre-training and all this extra work that I put in getting the horses ready to be safe for camping and, you know, just every thing you can think of you try to plan for i mean there's only so many things i mean it's crazy the amount of stuff you might encounter on an endurance ride but we all try to you know get the horses as prepared to be as safe as possible and every time that's happened i've been really fortunate i i had done that work and the horses would stop and stand and let me hop off and get them untangled
2: Interesting. So So, how do you take or do you? That's the better question. (laughs) So you do hobble training and um, I would suggest finding good references for hobble training online if you're not familiar with it or find someone in person to help you with that.
1: Exactly. Because it's a process. Definitely. If you haven't done it before, my advice really is to get a trainer and somebody that has done it so they know what to expect. Because, trust me, horses, when they're hobbled, they can hop around like a rabbit. I mean, they can cover some ground. Yes, they can. (laughs) And uh, so, you you know, you need to know what you're doing. Yes, Something about what you're doing. It's not for an amateur. Yeah. Yes. You don't want to cause a problem. Uh, What you're hoping to achieve by doing that training is to prevent a problem so that the horse reacts in a favorable way to stop, uh, you know, fighting if they get tangled up or caught up in something. Yeah, because it can be um, pretty terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And at yeah. the very at the very least going through the process of
2: rope training where you use a soft rope around the horse's leg exactly. in a controlled situation so that he can feel that and learn that it's not something he needs to panic about. Even if the only steps you take are those early steps where just like everything else at least you have an idea of what his reaction is going to be and exactly. it's something that he's like, "Oh, I felt this before." I don't immediately need to turn into uh, the Tasmanian devil and give you the opportunity to dismount and deal with the problem safely. So even if you're one of those people that go, no, 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 I'm never going to train my horse to hobble, going through those (laughs) beginning steps of training your horse that Mm -hmm. something around my leg, I can feel that, I don't need to panic, I can wait a moment for my human to take care of the problem, even if you never ever intend to hobble your
1: horse, can be really, really useful. In it's a, in something a bad situation. As exactly as simple as if you are the reins, you know, you, you stop and you get off saying you need to take a bathroom break or whatever it is. Just, you need a break, uh, right. snacks or whatever. And the reins happen to drop down and the horse steps on them. This way, the horse doesn't, you know, go Bleh! and have a big, you know, fit right. and, it yanks and then ends up breaking something or you know causing a problem yeah. it's like oh look i i feel i stepped on my reins and i can kind of feel pressure so rather than overreact and pull back and have a big you know catastrophe i'll just back up a step and yeah. continue on and everything's great so you, you know just all those little things are are. Really beneficial for training an endurance horse, especially because they're going to deal, they're going to have to learn to deal with encountering so many different things. Yeah, stuff's going to happen. Stuff happens. <laughs> That's right. There we go. And
2: before we get too much further in and before we chat with Dr. G about loose horses, let's chat with uh, Kristen from over at the Distance Depot because she comes on every month and tells us all about what's going on over at the Distance Depot, the tack shop that you want to go to if you're an endurance rider or otherwise. So let's give her a holler. Hello, Kristen, what do you have on the plate for us today? What is exciting and interesting going on (laughs) at the Distance Depot?
3: Um, We are going to talk about uh, electrolytes today. And um, we have a whole page dedicated um, on the left-hand side navigation menu under For the Horse. You can find our electrolytes, probiotics, and supplements page, um, and I'm sure when you get there, if you're not overwhelmed, um, <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff there. Um, but we have economical powders and um, Duramax. We used to have a product called Perform and Win, which was, was a very popular um, electrolyte because it was so palatable. But um, the Manufacturer for some crazy reason stopped making that one, so we're all. Oh, Oh.
1: I know. We're all a little. I know. Um, So no more. So so we won't mention that one. (laughs)
3: Right, right. I know. My goodness. Well, it's it's
1: on my page. It's still on there.
3: I know, because people are like, "What do you mean we don't have that?" But we don't. So yeah, unfortunately. But the Enduramax is a good electrolyte, and we do (laughs) list the analysis on each product. So if you click on, if you're interested to find out how how many. Um, you know, how much calcium, how much magnesium, sodium, potassium, et cetera. It should be on the website, so you can click on the product, and that way you can find the analysis. And then, you know, we get so many people asking us, well, how should I electrolyte my horse? What should I do? I mean, that's the magic question. (laughs) If there was a magic formula, we would all be (laughs) um, really excited about that. But unfortunately, it's one of those things you have to sort of, Experiment and learn, um, you know, as you compete what works best for your horse. And it's good. I mean, you can tell during training. I mean, I think training helps a lot. You can tell as your horse, you know, does he appear tired afterwards and so on. So the electrolytes really help. Um, And then, of course, there are some other um, supplements such as the BCAA, which is a branched chain amino acid, um, which helps with strength, endurance, and recovery, so as you progress in your training and, and that, that's an option that some people use. Um, but the powders um, are, as I said, economical. Um, they come in like five-pound tubs. And then we have dosing syringes. So you can mix the powder, several scoops, if you will, with maybe some applesauce or I've seen Maylox used. So people use water. It makes it really runny. Um, but whatever works. And if your horse likes apples, the applesauce is great. Um for the powders. So you can mix it up in little batches and have it ready at the vet checks. Then of course, a bunch of them are sold like the Perfect Balance and the Light Now and the Enduramax. The Enduramax has a buffered paste because it is a pretty strong, salty electrolyte. So they've buffered it. So it's a little easier on the horse's stomach and digestive system. Um, cause a lot of times you give the electrolytes and if you seen a horse just sort of stand there like mm. <laughs> he kind of clams up the electrolytes it's, drip out of the side of his lips. Isn't lip. it
1: funny how <laughs> they can like carry the electrolytes like yeah, for miles like, and, then, and it's, then
2: like it's like a water of chewing tobacco in there yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah so a lot of times
3: what we would do is just put a little applesauce in a syringe plain syringe and just shoot mm-hmm. it in there so that it kind of it's like just encourages them not to hold it in their mouth and pout because they will do that Um but so the tubes are, of course, easy, economical. The single-dose tubes you can put in your pack and bring with you in case you need to electrolyte out on the trail if it's a long loop and really hot or something like that. And then they have more economical tubes that are like three doses, so it's bigger, probably not going to fit in your pack as well, um, but great you know, as far as being a little more economical. Um, and then we have some probiotics. We have products I know Karen uses, the Redmond products, Mm-hmm. Um, lots of our riders do. So we have the Redmond Rock, which just lives in a dish at our barn. Um, in fact, I break it because they're huge rocks. They're like nine-pound rocks, 11-pound oh. rocks. And I break it, and it just lives in my guy's dish. And they, I call it pushing a rock. So I'll pour their food in there, and, and it, they just have to push the rock around to get all their food. And so I figure they're getting some of that salt, That's and what it's I there do for too. them. Yeah, uh-huh. Do you? Yeah. And we have rocks on a rope, and then we have crushed rock by Redmond. So it's a five-pound bag, um, so you can just feed it free choice. So that's kind of nice, too. You can just put it in a dish. Um, The humidity (laughs) kind of plays a role with the salt. It gets all sweaty. So it's very humid here today. I noticed my bucket of free choice is like a (laughs) wet kind (laughs) of mushy. It becomes a brick here. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, But lots of good choices on there. There's also um, the probiotics, which aid in digestion. You can use um, ProBi. We carry the advanced biological concepts. It's all natural probiotics. And so you can use it before shipping long distances or before going to a ride, during the ride even. Um, So it helps with things like, you know, loose stools, diarrhea, stomach upset, that sort of thing. You can even use it during colic episodes. So a good product to have on hand at the barn, um, all kinds of good things on there. And then, of course, I talked about the um, syringes, the powders. So we have a 60-cc C syringe, um, so you can mix your uh, electrolytes and suck it up in the 60-cc syringe and then administer it that way because it's not really palatable. It's very salty, so if you sprinkle it in their food, they may not eat, which, of course, you don't want to do. So, um, And then we have drenching guns, which are a little bit bigger with metal tips. So when you put it in the horse's mouth, it's a long um, metal, stainless steel um, tip. So it, it, they can't crush it. Sometimes they, <laughs> if you're not careful, they can grab that plastic syringe and bite it. Um, and then it just, you know, leaks out. But um, lots of good stuff on there. Um, the Daily Gold by Redmond also. So it's a four-and-a-half-pound bag, and it also helps with stress. Um, and stomach um, trouble, so great to use um, either daily or just during a ride or before and after a
1: ride. So lots of good stuff on there. Yes, I see I see a lot of <laughs> stuff that that we've used. you know when I do like a ride like Tevis
0: mm-hmm. it,
1: you then you see what the top competitors are really using, you know right. and and I see lots of these you know, syringes from, you know, the Enduramax and Mm -hmm. the BCAAs, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I know I've used the BCAAs myself on a horse when we're doing a ride where you have a lot of elevation gain and stuff. And it's just sort of like it, 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 you know, it's not something that's going to make everything wonderful, but it just sort of tops off. You exactly. know what I mean? Like if you yep. you're already going at ninety five or ninety nine percent, it's just right. one little extra thing that tops yep. it off. A
3: little and, bit
1: of a boost. Uh, <laughs> it does, and it yeah. it you know, and I I have felt that it really has made a difference with with my guys mm-hmm. um, on on some of the harder, more challenging, difficult rides. So. Right definitely and and the same for like the uh, the probiotics are very mm-hmm. very helpful and um and yeah i, I I'm looking at your your uh, the dosing syringes and I'm thinking oh that. That looks really cool.
3: <laughs> yeah, the 200 cc. I'll be honest with you, that's a lot of liquid, and so it, it almost makes the handle hard to squeeze. So if you're little and your hands are little, you're trying to use two hands. I like the 70 cc and the 60 cc because they're just a little more easy. But if you have a crew member, you know that has a large larger hand um, and that has that uh, extra oomph to get <laughs> to get that uh, sure. in there. But yeah, I mean they're they're pretty great. It does hold more, so that's. Kind of, kind of nifty,
1: too. Okay, so tell us what's your um, website address and your phone number.
3: All right. We are, um, you can find us at www.thedistancedepot.com. And our phone number is toll free eight six six eight six three
1: two three four nine. Terrific. Thanks, Kristen.
3: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Jen. And we've got
2: Dr. Rebecca Jimenez. Are you Dr. Jimenez or Dr. Husted nowadays?
0: Uh, it's Husted, but I go by either, I, whatever. If you call me, hey, you, I'll come. Okay. <laughs> Especially <laughs> if you're cooking dinner.
2: <laughs> hey, Doc, come on over here and give us a hand. Okay. Well, uh, we've we've gathered and garnered many, 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 many new listeners since we chatted with you last, last, Dr. G. So why don't you give everybody the Reader's Digest version of how you got into the large animal rescue business to begin with?
0: Okay. Well, I was working on my degree at Clemson University, and my major advisor was a veterinarian, and he was trying to get veterinarians interested in disaster and emergency kind of work. And I started working with him. I had a horse that was willing to let us lay him down and pull him around on the ground with webbing and put him in a sling without sedation. So, cause I was interested in all the behavior stuff. So I was doing all the natural horsemanship behavior stuff and it was perfect. And that was 25 years ago. And we got more and more into teaching the technical parts of how to get a horse out of the mud or how to deal with a cow in a situation uh maybe a trailer wreck to be uh, loose on the road and as we started going forward we started realizing there really wasn't anybody else doing it so that's how we got into it and now i've made a career out of it and i just enjoy the heck out of educating people about how to prevent these things first of all and then we all know it happens it happens it shows it happens the trailer rides it happens um gladly in in people's yards as horses get loose so Uh, trying to make people educated about some ways they can think about it, maybe a little different from what you've done before.
2: Well, there you go. So it started back in school. Isn't that interesting?
0: When you first started. Fascinating man. I I eventually married him and then we got divorced and then we worked together for five years as a divorced couple. And then finally (laughs) he decided he really wanted to retire. And you really can't blame him because, I mean, he was a handful to live with, but so am I. (laughs) You
2: you guys are actually a reality show and just didn't have any, didn't have the outlet yet. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So when you go to horse shows, when you go to trail riding gatherings that are casual, when you go to endurance ride, invariably, there are loose horses. It just happens. It's what horses do and they do it really, really well. What are some of the top thing, things we need to keep in mind when it comes to
1: loose horse? Uh-huh. Well, I know. I to- <laughs> like Yeah. I told my dad, he came to a couple of endurance rides years ago and I told him if there are horses running loose, don't just step out of your camper in the middle of the night in the dark you got to look both ways first. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Because when there's horses running
1: loose, yeah, they will just mow you over. So you you got to be careful. It's scary once horses get loose and start running, especially if one, you know, it's sort of like a domino effect when you have a a large camp full of horses. Um, Usually you just can't have one horse loose. They start to accumulate into multiple horses loose, which is becomes really dangerous. There's some,
0: there's some really good stories about that, and there's some really <laughs> horrible stories about that, too. So, unfortunately, some horses actually end up getting injured. And as you pointed out, people can get injured. So mm-hmm. uh, first, I guess, the, the first thing is just, it's sort of like... Um, uh, going to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, you have to admit there's a problem. So we've admitted there's a problem. We 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 see it everywhere. And why do people react the way they do? And I'm not really sure because what we tend to do is, like you said, step out of camper and wave your hands and get mowed down. Um, I see people at, at various events waving their hands and sort of trying to chase and herd horses. And that just doesn't really work real well for that species. That's, that's why um, herding dogs don't don't work real well with horses. The more you herd them or chase them, the more mm-hmm. excited they get. So, the the challenge is to try to figure out a way to get everybody to calm down and get control of the situation. And that's easy to say and really hard to do. Um, at a show where you've got lots of people, uh, at an endurance ride you've got lots of people trying to get people to calm down is is really difficult to do. So. What are you going to do? Yell, hey, calm down? <laughs> that doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? It really comes down to can we use the horse's natural instincts to our benefit? And we all really know what that is. They all love feed and they like mm-hmm. to be with others of their kind. So if we can collect uh, a sane horse, uh, get a hold of him, and uh, approach the, the horse that's really panicky, we may increase our chances of being able to get him. Uh, some horses respond really well to shaking a feed bucket. Uh, although I always tell people, if there's more than one horse loose and you're shaking a feed bucket, you are really taking a chance on your life because <laughs> we all know what horses do around feed. Well, yeah, because <laughs> then, that, then that you that have maybe, them all
2: going different directions and trying to run. Each, oh man! That's okay. <laughs> right.
0: Exactly. So you have to think about that. But whenever we can use their instincts instead of our instincts, and our instincts are to chase and and try to herd their instincts are to run away from those kinds of things. So trying to do the opposite. So, you know, how can we, can we think about that? And horses are not dumb. If you get their buddy and start walking away with their buddy, um, they may follow their buddy. That's, that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, even out on fail rides, if if a horse gets loose from a rider and he starts to get excited and trot off, I just tell everybody, okay, turn around, let's go the other way. And once he hears, Horse leaving the other way. Exactly. The goes, hey, yes. Wait, don't
1: leave me. <laughs> right, because if you if you go after them, then they take off even faster, going away from you. I've seen that yeah, so many they,
0: times. That's right. And they and to them, they're thinking, "Yay! I'm, in the, I'm the I'm the I'm the the leader. I'm I'm you know we've got a whole train here. This is great." And I guess the, the biggest point is to do the opposite of what our instincts are, because we're predators and they are prey animals. And if we act more like prey animals, um, we will probably be a lot more successful.
2: When it comes to horses loose at gathering areas, trail, we'll use We'll use the word trail heads because that's sort of a common thing in the endurance business, but it applies to any place that there are lots of horses gathered have you ever had an experience where you had a whole crap load of them get loose?
0: I have. And I bet you she has too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> has that ever happened with you, um, Karen, where you just have, you know, half a dozen of them get loose all at the same time.
1: Usually it just starts with one or two. I where, like the word. Where, starts. They, where they Yes. <laughs> and, uh, it, or something happens that, um, you know, it could be something as simple as like a lightning storm or something that causes just a mass, you know, exodus of th- these horses leaving their, their, um, wherever they're confined, whether they're tied or whether they're in a electric pin or a portable corral or whatever it is. And as they go running through camp, um, they accumulate more horses to go with them. And so, yes, yeah, often you you will end up with several horses running loose. and And where I am, Uh, in Northern Nevada, we, we've had a few rides where you have the wild horses, the Mustangs come into Uh camp or sort of, um, you know, they kind of hang out. And then when everything is quiet, you know, at night they'll come in. And then next thing, you know, we've got literally like a herd of horses running loose in the dark that happens. That has happened. (laughs)
2: Yeah, because they've not. I they don't understand interacting with I domestication.
0: Had like that, entertaining. That, that's uh, that's a huge challenge.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, it definitely is, and yeah, it's definitely a bigger challenge if you have a stallion that you're at a ride with, but or or a mare. You know, the geldings probably are a little bit. Um, more you, you know, yeah. okay, but uh, y- you know, when when you've got some of these wild horses coming in, it it definitely livens things up. Yeah, and so, that's when you you're happy if you have a cattle dog that can yeah takes the <laughs> others off because uh, I've been witness to all of those. <laughs> so, Doctor G, you're
2: gathering together a group of people who are going to be in this situation. They're, let's say you've got a, a, a boatload of volunteers that are going to be helping out at a h- local horse show. Um, what are some things that, as an organizer who is going to try to give these volunteers as many tools as I can to deal with the day where there's going to be loose horses, what am I, What are some things that I should maybe be telling these volunteers they should or shouldn't be doing in if a loose horse or horses occurs?
0: Well, the first thing that I would love is that everybody has a radio or some form of communication with the announcer. And the announcer is really the key to many of these situations, getting control of large numbers of people, not the horses. The horses obviously don't listen to the announcer. But (laughs) if the announcer realizes there's a loose horse and can give some direction, and that would be, hey, we've got a loose horse. Everybody stops. Get a hold of the horse that you are holding on to. Um, step out of the way of the passageways. Uh, that's what often happens. It shows that they'll get loose in the barns and they come flying through the barn. And that's really dangerous if that, if that happens to people. And um, so the, the announcer, if the announcer is educated, can really help with the control of, of folks. The second thing is to, to tell the volunteers, hey, um, don't be chasing the horse. Uh, first thing is he, he's not going anywhere. If you've got secondary fencing around the facility, where's he going to go? He really can't go anywhere. Now, if you don't have secondary fencing and you can go into the road, um, that's a whole nother thing. But most facilities these days, the professional have a secondary fence, which means somebody needs to go to the gate, shut the gate so the horse can't run to the road. Um, and thinking about it from the perspective of, okay, well, how far is he going to run if he's, if he's inside a fence, he really can't run that far. Um, well, I suppose some of those 100-mile Arabians can run for a long time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and they
0: will just most jump horses, right over the fence, too. <laughs> that's right. Uh, most, most of those horses are going to stay, you know, they're going to run around for a little bit. They're going to go, man, it's getting hot out here. And they'll find a friend. And that's really what we want them to do is find a friend, um, go to a feed bucket, and then we mm-hmm. can get control of them. Get one or two people. It's when five or six people, you know, with their arms out start trying to approach a horse that he just says, oh, well, here comes more predators and it's time for me to run again. And a lot of that comes down to there's so much expertise these days from various clinicians about how to get your horse to come to you, how to train your horse to come to you, whether it's using a cue or body language or a treat. And that really starts at home, teaching your horse every single time you catch him is is he catching you or are you catching him? (laughs) Right. And it's amazing. My horses, actually, my horses get loose a lot because I actually ride with them at Liberty a lot. And I teach them, you know, even with other horses around, I teach them to come to me by their name or by my body language. Mm -hmm. And people are always, you know, amazed and shocked. And I go, well, you know, the more you practice this on trails and trailheads and these kinds of places, if there's a problem if I come off my horse, that's a like classic way to get a loose horse right out on the trail ride. If I come off my horse, I don't want to be walking home. I want my horse to come to me when I call it, especially if I'm <laughs> riding one. So, exactly. Yeah. You
1: know,
0: that, that really comes, you know, a lot of people spend a lot of time, you know, on their sliding stops and their pee offs and their pissed offs and, and their whatevers. <laughs> and to me, there's some really fundamental skills, and your horse should have a good relationship with you and your horse should come to you. Um, even under duress, and that would be a duressful situation, obviously. That's a, and then, that's... of course, if you're coordinating this for a, a show or some other large uh, setup like an endurance ride, um, training the volunteers to, hey, you know, I, I, this is my area, this is what I'm doing uh, on this end of the, of the path or whatever. Um, and I'll take care of it over here. You guys let me do it. I don't need 14 more people coming over to me. Let me handle the horse. More is not
2: always house. better. Yes. You see that a lot in the right. loose horse situation that you have 15 people running over and waving the arms, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes you need to take take a moment, take stock of the situation and decide whether or not you yeah. really need to add to the chaos or not. Right.
0: Yeah. And Yeah. And the other thing that I would say is if everybody has a piece of, uh, you know, I'd love 20 feet of rope in my pocket. Um, there's those little thin ropes that you can get these days. Um, but to me, even if it's a piece of haystring, uh, an emergency rope halter where you put a simple rope around the neck and then feed it over the nose and you've got a short lead rope on it. it even under duress, you can use a belt. You can use a piece of haystring. But I really like to have 15 or 20 feet of rope. And I can catch lots of animals with that particular setup. It's called an emergency rope halter. And Mm -hmm. it's pretty simple to do. If you practice, you go over the horse's head and neck and then with a a little rope. And then you put a loop around the horse's nose and feed it back to the loop. And what's really funny about that is it fits llamas, it fits horses, it fits foals, it fits goats, it fits draft horses. Because the problem with having halters in the truck to try to quite quote catch loose lo- loose horses is you gotta have fourteen different sizes <laughs> of halters. If you can right. you know you can catch just <laughs> about anything. The only thing we haven't figured out how to catch yet is a pig. And let me tell you, I have tried <laughs> And they can get out of everything. The only thing that you can use on a pig and a cat is a harness.
2: <laughs> you need one of those giant nets like they use on uh, Animal Planner. On the, <laughs> you need a giant net. That's
0: right. That's right. Oh but it is, it is amazing how you, if you watch some of the people that really know what they're doing with horses and there's a loose horse running around like an idiot, you'll see one guy, usually some older guy that's got a hat and he's not. nobody really pays attention to him, he'll take his horse and start just walking across the... The thing with his horse and he knows that it's like a magnet he the ho- the loose horse can't help but he's like oh there's a horse and he's walking away from me i gotta go be with him and so by doing that with the one horse he can get control of the loose horse that wants to be around him and yeah. then as it gets more tired and you know wants to meet his horse he has a chance yeah. the second horse.
2: a really so that's, really that's
0: another strategy
2: an easy way to practice these kinds of skills. Because, hello, how do you practice loose horses, right? Um, And this is something that many of us do not do. If you've ever ridden your horse in a pasture full of other horses that are loose... Things happen. Sometimes those horses that are out in that pasture run around and act stupid. There's all kinds of strange interactions. If you can set yourself up in a place where you can be riding your horse, or even if it's doing groundwork with your horse, at the same time you are either adjacent to or with horses that are at liberty, that is a good way to start the first baby step down the road of Mm -hmm. how to deal with my horse when there's loose horses around yep. and how to deal with loose horses when there's loose horses around because that's when they're gonna have those natural reactions to each other that you can start to to habituate yourself to and understand how your horse reacts and understand how what you do and what you do with your horse is going to change that. And it's it again, it's something that most of us don't do. The number of people that say, oh, I can't ride in place E, B, or C because there are horses past your decks to it. That act um, silly, uh, run around like idiots, or that there are horses you know. in the field that run around like idiots. Well, yeah, figure out yeah, ways to take baby steps.
1: When uh, we've got these wild horse herds, and yeah. some of the stallions will come right up and confront you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that makes life really exciting. <laughs> well, that's sure, exactly he's, right, and he, yeah. that's,
0: what, that's what I was going to say. Is I always, uh, you know, I ride with a rope, and the rope has a piece of leather on the other end of it, and it's um, interesting how your horse, like in the situation you're talking about, it's pretty interesting how your horse gets amazed if you're smart enough to be able to defend him. When they start realizing, oh, man, this human, they're not useful for much, but, man, they can defend <laughs> me from something else, they, they're, they're, they're sort of like, wow, that's pretty neat. And what I mean is if you're on the ground and you're approached by another horse that's loose in the pasture or whatever, the horse is going to have to take care of himself. And hit, they can get in a fight, they can end up picking each other, and you can get hurt. So I always tell people, you know, by having a rope or something else to defend yourself, it's amazing how horses are so respectful of a small stick, a little crop, or uh, the end of a nice piece of rope. Um, you can defend your horse, you can defend yourself, and uh, stay safe mm-hmm. while you're trying to to deal with that. And that's what I was thinking about when I was thinking about Karen talking about all these horses running loose at an endurance ride or something. Um, The horse that's being good at the trailer, how do you defend him from being attacked by something that's loose? You know, that's the other opposite side of it.
2: Well, Again, that's another reason baby steps towards dealing with these situations. Um, Take the time to do a little groundwork with your horse that he's comfortable if you swing a rope near him. Mm -hmm. Right? He shouldn't be afraid of that. He should... And if, if he's been handled poorly and been struck with swinging ropes, he's not going to like it. Or if he's just never experienced it, he's going to naturally be afraid of it. So those kinds of groundwork exercises, even if you have a show horse, could at some point be very, very useful in kind of a scary situation. So a great thing to do. I never thought about the oh, whole absolutely. defend your horse from
0: uh, kind of absolutely. some bad guy.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. They, we um, we have... We have seen so many places, I, you know, all the places I go. And uh, you'll see that horse at a show that, that you think, oh, wow, look at how, how smart he is. He's nice and sane. And then you start re- talking to the owner and you start realizing, oh, this person's the person that's been doing the ha- groundwork and this is the person that's been doing all these other things. And his horse is like, oh, well, there's other horses. Eh, no big deal. Um, you know, that's when you really, I always tell people, <laughs> horses. Most horses are not truly broke to tie because broke to tie to me means that he stands there even when horses are running loose or a truck comes by and hits his jake brake. And I'm sorry, but most horses are not that broke. (laughs) I was at an endurance
1: ride once, and uh, this is a fun story. Um, I was vet secretarying for the vet. We were vetting horses in the day before the ride and a big thunderstorm came through camp. We were camped at like 8000 feet elevation up in the Sierras and the wind blew through camp. My awning was out and the the wind blew the awning and flipped it over the top of my trailer including oh. the arms and it and my horse looked up when it happened and he put his head back down into his feed bag and kept eating. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. And,
1: was that and, chief? And that was cheese. <laughs> yes, it was chief. And, uh, and, uh, the vet looked at me and she says, wow, impressive. <laughs> and meanwhile, now there were three or four horses running loose through camp. <laughs> yeah. Now let's, let's caveat what? here. I, we are
2: not suggesting that you sacrifice the awning on your trailer.
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no but may, maybe practice with a long. blanket or a tarp that or something. Some experience. <laughs> yeah. that, that wasn't something I think he would have done, you know, uh, 10 years prior, but. <laughs>
2: wow. Well, um, thank you very much, Dr. G, for coming on the show again. You're always so, so chock-a-block full yeah. of excellent advice as well as lovely stories. If someone is curious about um, emergencies and horses and staying safe those three things together you are the expert and where can they find you and appropriately stalk you online <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay well it's probably easier just to find me on facebook um, there is technical large animal emergency rescue there's a study group I tell people it's a study group because it's not a prayer group. If you say something like, I'm going to pray for the horse or pray for the owner, you will get deleted. So um, you can find that group. It's got about 15,000 people on it, and we've wow. spent a lot of effort to, uh, yeah, it's, it's really grown over the years, but we've spent a lot of effort to put really good information out there about how to stay safe, do a lot of the prevention piece, and then, of course, the response piece, because it's horses, and uh, they're not wrapped up in bubble wrap, and Things happen, so Things happen. how do you come right. to this kind of
2: thing? There we go, and of course, your website is T L A E R, which is the acronym for Technical Large Animal Emergency Rescue dot org. Yes, ma'am. There we go. Well, thank you again, Doctor G. Distance Depot the. You see, it's important to have the the on the Distance Depot, and they have pretty near everything you need to go on an endurance ride or a trail ride. Or a hack around the neighborhood. Except they don't have renegade boots. And why is that?
1: Well, actually, they do sell renegade (gasps) boots. They do? Yes, they do. But you can also go to the renegadehoofboot.com website. For those that are interested in giving hoof boots a try. And get in contact with the company. They're happy to help people fit and size their boots and select the model that's most suited to their horse's hoof shape. And uh, you're welcome to send them photos or tracings of your horse's foot along with the measurements and they will gladly help you uh, choose the correct size. And or there's a classic model renegade hoof boot and there's a viper model. Uh, Hoof boot Uh, The viper is a little bit more round And the captivator On the the heel section Part of it is a little bit Different Uh, For a lot of the horses I've ridden Either model Works just fine Uh, For uh, The uh, the horse I've got Now Apollo He has done really well Doing kind of a hybrid Mixture between the uh, classic captivator and the viper uh tread Oh, that's cool you can mix and match foot. you can mix and match and they will they're happy to help people sort it out and choose what's going to work the best for their horse which is really awesome um you know I'm, the the brand new horse i've got um, we're, we're still working on his name but um He's actually—he's only like fourteen two, but he's got these giant feet. <laughs> so I had to get like size uh, in millimeters—one forty by one forty. No, um, yeah, that's how big is, Nigel's feet are, and he's sixteen two. <laughs> I know. Yes, wow. and then Apollo, who's much larger, of course, his feet actually—he's now up into a like a one thirty five. On his wow, on his sizing. So they're actually, I think we're going to meet somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Holy moly!
2: Now, a lot of people when I talk about hoof boots because I have hoof boots for our horses here. They're they're barefoot and then they wear boots when we're on terrain that is appropriate for hoof protection. Mm-hmm. They'll say, "Oh, they're so expensive." But when you think about it, when you if your horse wears horseshoes, you spend x number of dollars every four to six weeks sweeps. getting your horseshoes replaced
1: so, mm-hmm. now
2: if they're steel shoes you can use them twice sometimes but you're still buying shoes every time and you go through sure. a set of shoes at least six sets a year I, if, right wouldn't
1: it be nice if we could spend as much on our own <laughs> yeah shoes as we do our horses <laughs> yeah but you know when you have you know? boots you buy one but set of boots, they're going to last you a couple of years. exactly. <laughs> and for an average person, um, I mean, I've, especially with the Vipers, I've gone at least, I've done a thousand miles or more of competition in, wow. in a single, you know, pair. That's a um, lot. That's so a lot, lot. a They can really last and wear. Now, if your horse is, for some reason, wearing through them at a much higher rate, then that's something you need to look into. Um, You know, if your horse is hard on its hoof wear, in my experience, they're hard on themselves. So yes. they're going to be experiencing a greater amount of wear and tear doing the miles yes. versus a horse that can do 600 to 1,000 or maybe even and, and I know I've done f- as much as fifteen hundred miles on a set of renegades in the past. Do they have um, little odometers on them, like the little? Does it
2: have a little uh, <laughs> Fitbit on the sh- in the? <laughs> they,
1: you know, this boot see, has attained four thousand steps. I know, you know, and that's the kind of the fun thing with with boots is when you put them on, you can you know step back and you can look and make sure everything looks balanced, so you have an equal amount. A hoof wall or hoof sticking up above, above the level of the boot all the way around. So you can tell if something's out of balance. You'll have, you know, a higher amount of uh, hoof on one side versus the other. So that's one great way to gauge if your, you know, hoof is look looks balanced or not. Hmm. Um, but you can also look at the wear. And tear like um, on the actual boot tread after you've done some miles. It's like the truck, it's like their front end of your truck being out of alignment. Exactly. And you can tell if, yeah, exactly, if your horse is in alignment, if they're traveling um, evenly, if the amount of wear is good. Like if they're wearing through their toes really fast, you know, then. That's something you want to look into and, and talk with your farrier or, you know, some other experienced horse person about how your horse is traveling because you, you don't want him doing that. And that's, that's all, those are all signs that you can learn from. It's, it's, you know, that's why I think I've learned so much from using hoof boots over the years. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So there's always more to learn. And Renegade, you can go to com to their website, and uh, look them up. They're also on Facebook. There you go. And if you know which ones you need, you just go to to the Distance Depot, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, it's time for Quiz Karen. Okay. Because we had to record our show early this month, and I had to grab Karen and catch her in the dark with a bucket of grain. (laughs) We only have one guest today. So it's going to be Quiz Karen. And I had to come up with a question really quick to quiz Karen with. Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) And this this one's gonna be a camping question because camping is at the forefront of my brain right now. You have a living quarters horse trailer. Is that correct? Mm Mm-hmm. When you first started out doing endurance, did you have a living quarters horse trailer? (laughs) I had a tent. There you go. You had a tent. What are some
1: I didn't even have a truck. You didn't borrow. even, how did you haul
2: your horse trailer with like a van? No, or
1: something? I started out with this little bitty two horse straight load horse trailer that I found, you know, uh-huh. cheap. And, but I had to borrow my friend's truck in order oh, no. to bring it anywhere. <gasps> oh, that's funny. I used to, I used to show, but I rode my horse <laughs> to the show. Oh, wow. That's great. So back in the day. When
2: you were, when you were roughing it. Tenting. Tenting. Uh-huh. So you chose to tent rather
1: than sleep in the horse trailer. Why is that? Uh, you know, I don't really know. Um, The the trailer was just so small. I, mm-hmm. I guess I decided the tent was better. I don't know. You know, once you start going to endurance rides, you emulate so much stuff.
2: That is true. You have a lot of stuff. You have to be ready for every contingency. That's the problem. Yeah. I know. Yes. So, yeah, the your your primitive camping, so to speak. Uh, did you have any clever little life hacks that kept you safe and sane, fed and warm when you were roughing it? Because you know, obviously you didn't have plumbing. You didn't have running water. You didn't have heat. No, you didn't have air uh-huh.
1: conditioning. Nope, none of that. Um, one of the things that I think um, you can buy these instant heat um, warmers mm-hmm. that, it, you know, and they have them in different shapes or sizes or oh, whatever. those little things that have. it's a
2: chemical thing. You just shake it up. It's and, an yeah. instant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and a little packet. And they have them shaped so you can put them on the top of your feet, like, for they're called toe warmers and then they've got the regular ones. I would bring I, I would buy those by the case. <laughs> and I and I would tuck two or three of them in around my waistband um and a couple in my socks and that's how I would stay warm. I would never have thought it's to like, do it
2: that way to actually sleep with them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Because they last for hours and hours. They do. That's true. They do for like four to eight hours or something like that. And then if you are really seriously camping and it's below freezing, then you do what, you know, the old tried and true endurance rider does is when you go to bed, um, you go to bed in your riding clothes that you're going to wear the next day. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So that when you get up at four or five in the morning and it's, seven degrees. You don't have to be you don't have to change your trying clothes, to yeah. change into clothes while you're semi frozen. Yeah. You, you uh, Yeah. So uh though Those instant heat packs have saved me many, many times, even when I had a living quarters and you would run out of propane like (laughs) on a multi-day or something and have no heat. I mean, it's crazy how cold it's like a refrigerator. In fact, my refrigerator, I would have to put stuff in the refrigerator to keep it from freezing. Yes, we, we <laughs> talked about that on a
2: show recently that when the temperatures are below freezing and you run out of power, your refrigerator is actually a heater.
1: Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Did Take that. everything out sides. of the
2: fridge. One more one more quiz question for Karen. When you were when you were remote camping and you didn't have your fancy living quarters yet, um, what did you use for your light sources? What were your favorite go tos?
1: Um I have uh, a couple of, like, uh, solar batteries that you can wind up. You can wind them mm-hmm. to get more power. And they're also, it's like an emergency radio flashlight kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, lots of times, for whatever reason, your battery runs low on your in your living quarters, and you don't have a generator or something handy or easy to go and just start up, especially if it's in the middle of the night, because you don't want to bother your neighbors. Um, just a, a nice um, battery um, powered LED type light will will work. Do you
2: did you put any lighting in your horse area? Because I've seen I've seen people do this where they take those little tiny solar powered lights that you use in your lawn to like, light your walkway and make it look pretty. They'll stick those Um, around the horse area. Do you or is that a thumbs up or thumbs down to you? Because I have no
1: idea. Well, yeah, one one of the things I did uh, do on my living quarters is I bought a light it's like, you know how when, when you see like a four-wheel drive Jeep and they have those really bright lights up on top?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I bought one of those. Mm-hmm. And I mounted it on my living quarters trailer outside between where the two horses go, if I have two horses with me. And pointed it down so that I can tack up, you know, oh, so you can early in you, the morning. But you only use dark. that when you're tacking
2: it up. You don't like leave it on
1: all night long. No, uh, uh, no. And, um, but yeah, that, that thing has been wonderful. I, I love that because it's brighter than just like an ordinary outside porch light that you'd have on a living quarters and it's bright enough so that you can see well when you're tacking up in the dark or Mm -hmm. untacking in the dark. You know, if you're doing rides in the middle of winter and, you know, it gets dark at five o'clock. Um, you might be coming in and finishing and it's dark. And uh, so you tack up in the dark and you untack in the dark. <laughs> something else so, to practice at home. Something else to practice and, you know, or just, yeah, you're out there and, and you want to be, or you're you're putting boots on your horse and you want to make sure you've got the right size boot on the right horse. Um, having that extra, you know, light, um, really helps. So that that's one of the things I think on on the outside of my living quarters that I think has been one of the most valuable additions that I've done. Hmm. Good lighting. I never would have thought of good lighting. Jesus, more mm-hmm. stuff I have to worry about. You know, but but I also have I'm you know what I'm kind of the Imelda Mar- Marcos. Is that a term nowadays anymore <laughs> um, of headlamps? I. I have a lot of different headlamps. I love my headlamps. Um, I use them all year round for going out and, you know, mm-hmm. feeding in the dark during the winter. Um, just they're they're super handy. They are. Yeah, I have I and- have an assortment of them as well. They kind of freak yeah. Nigel out. I have to be careful. Yes. I yeah. I've done that too, where the horses end up on the other side of the property yeah. going he's, what the he's that? cool
2: as long as I have it pointed down towards the ground. If exactly. it's if it's straight out and I look at him, so it points yeah. straight at him. He does not like that in any
1: way, shape, or form. Nope, 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 nope. Yes. nope. And as endurance riders, we have learned that the the headlamps that we can ride with have red. They switch between the white light and red because uh, the red doesn't doesn't have the, the same blinding yeah. effect on the horses, but it still gives you enough light so that you can still see. Um, so that's so, a, that's another thing to keep in mind in that whole
2: loose horse topic that we talked about today is if it is dark and you're dealing with loose horses. Yes, you need light, but be careful mm-hmm. about shining it at the horses' faces
1: because sometimes that can it just can blind s- them, blind them, and set and them it, off again. You know, and it takes them a while to see again. Yeah. Some horses just don't really like headlights at all. Headlamps. Yeah, and another yeah. thing that you can get used to at home is.
2: Let's say in the winter time, most of us have to go to the barn and do feeding at least one time in the dark during the.
1: Well, you know what? What I just because uh, <laughs> I'm dealing with these basically new to me horses. I've had Apollo since August, and then the new horse since a month ago. Um, We had this severe thunderstorm and heavy rain like a week or so ago, and I went outside with an umbrella. Uh oh. <laughs> I swear that it took them a day to get over it. I'll bet it did. <laughs> so now I'm I'm taking my umbrella with me even on a nice, yeah. sunny, perfect just, day, so they can get start to get used to it. Yeah, it's just part of the furniture. No big deal. It's just part of the thing. I'm not a monster, but I'm coming to feed you, yeah. so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes in the winter when you go out there to feed, don't turn the lights on. You feed by
2: flashlight just so your horses have the opportunity to experience it and even if they're not if you don't do it regularly uh-huh. they're never going to get over it but at at the very very least doing it occasionally allows you to have some concept of what their reaction is the worst thing you can have is i have no idea how he's going to react that's the worst case scenario so give it a right
1: go. yeah yep Here yep So yeah, that every new horse that comes here, they get to spend time on the trailer, eating on the trailer, going in and out of the trailer to eat. Um, You know, just you don't even realize till you get a new horse how much stuff there is to teach them, to get them prepared, to basically go out in public (laughs) so that they're safe. (laughs) There you go. There is a ton. And thus, we will have
2: something to talk about forever. We'll never run out of topics. (laughs) So, if you want to learn more about endurance riding, you can go to AERC is American Endurance or. Ride Conference.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they're online. All you have to do is write out American Endurance Ride Conference. They have great SEO. You'll find it, and you can go to HorsesInTheMorning.com dot com to get links about today's show. And thank you again for hanging out with me, Karen.
1: Sure, it's been fun as always.